You're listening to the Joy Junkies Show podcast, episode 307. You can find information on anything referenced in this episode at thejoyjunkie.com slash 307. You're listening to The Joy Junkie Show, your source for getting your shit together in love and life. Wouldn't it suck if I really talk like that? I'm Mr. Smith. I'll be hanging out on the show with you guys. So without further ado, here's your host, life coach, speaker, all-around badass, just happens to be my beautiful bride, Amy E. Smith. Howdy ho, my love. What's up, shorty? Oh, you know, just ready to spit some knowledge. (laughs) Spit some game? (laughs) To the audience. Yeah, yeah. What's up, Pod Peeps? Spit it exactly. Talk to spit it. Misdemeanor. That reminds me of Mm -hmm. Missy Elliott. So we've got a pretty cool topic today. We're going to be talking about all of the various ways that we make up stories in our head. Now, when you think about that title, you might just think, oh, this is about inner critic. But it's not just that. We're going to distill down four specific ways that we kind of allow this hyperbolic fabricated story to go on in our mind that affects our behavior and then affects how we feel. It affects our happiness. So we're going to dig into that. But of course, we've got to, we've got to shake things up a little bit here. Oh, shake it up. You mean by going exactly how we format? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, yeah, (laughs) I'm totally spontaneous as long as it's planned. (laughs) Let's shake things up into a would you rather. Would you rather? Yes. <laughs> Such a rebel. Okay, so today's would you rather oh is, God. would you rather have it be 110 degrees every day oh. or 35 degrees every day? And in, in both scenarios, do you have both heating and air conditioning? Yeah. I would for sure go for 35 you would. I would. I'm really surprised. Really? I'm surprised because at 35, you're probably going to be driving around in some rain and sleet and, you know, you're not going to be driving in oh. snow because it's not freezing temperature, but. I just abhor the heat. Abhor? Abhor the heat. Mm. A, a strong distaste, disdain for the heat. And I feel like it's the devil's weather. It was, it's, and it's, it's what's happening in California. It's the sun devil's weather if you're from Arizona. It used to be something that, is that a sports comment? Uh, yes, it is. <laughs> None yes. of that. Yes. We don't do that shit here. <laughs> I'm sure there's one person out there that got it. <laughs> I'm like, wait a minute. Did you just make a sports joke? <laughs> no, that, that's not how we run this show. Okay. So it used to be that only Palm Springs would get weather like that. Right. And now, even further inland, they're getting it where my brother lives in, you know, Riverside County, that area. Were you, were you fact checking abhor? No, 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 no. Okay. I'm like, no, I know that that's what No, that was, that was our, um, our loan agent. Oh, uh, oh, do we need to pause the show? No. Oh, okay. No, we're good. Okay. We are, if you don't know, in a home buying process that has been the pits. It has. It has been up and down and I exciting know. and then devastating and then, oh. oh, we need this and then we need that and we didn't need that. We need this now. And it's like, ugh. God. So hopefully by the time this airs, this is airing the day before we're supposed to close. Are you kidding? <laughs> so, wow. So if, if 
all y'all out there are having some <laughs> moments where you can visualize for us, send all the positive juju because it's crazy. Yeah. Now, would okay. you rather do that in 110 degree weathers? That's right. Weather. weather weathers. Or, <laughs> weathers. Or 35 degree weather. I really feel like I'd rather go 35. I just, I okay, I don't know. Yeah. Because I, when it's actually a beautiful kind of winter day, and it's 35, it's cold, but it's still really gorgeous out, I love that. Yeah. I really, I love a really nice, well-paired nice jacket and scarf combo. Oh, well, of course, it's about Some the nice, sleek boots. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. I will, I take that any day over sweating. I hate that. Yeah. I only like to sweat during sweat, my workout. Whether it's humid or dry, you're sweating regardless. But yeah. I don't like to sweat unless it's my workout time. And if it's not my workout time, then I'm unbelievably uncomfortable. I think I'm going to go with 110, but I'm going to live at the beach. Okay. Mm-hmm. So that there's a nice wind chill. Well, it's still going to be 110. Not really. It's still going to be 110. Yeah. But at least but, I have the water to get into. And, it, and it, you don't have as much humidity. True. Yeah. All right. So we would That's love. My take. We would love to hear what you would rather, and we sound off on it every single week over in our private after hours community over on Facebook. It's kind of an amazing sacred little corner of the internet, if we do say so ourselves, and a great place for you to connect with other people who are like, "Hi, I'm dealing with self worth too. Hi, I don't have very much confidence either. Oh, we can talk about that here." Awesome. So you will be among a lot of other beautiful, beautiful spirits. I do a bonus training live every single Thursday, and it's called Q&Slay, Slay, where I go off about whatever is coming up from the group that particular week so you can get additional questions answered. We do Warm Fuzzy Wednesdays where we celebrate each other and the amazing things that are happening in our life. And then, of course, on Mondays, we always discuss the Would You Rather, and Mr. Smith comes in strong. With the, the guidelines. So don't be trying to loophole it up because he will smack you in the face with that. Nope. <laughs> I'll smack that loophole right out of this place. <laughs> so all you have to do to come hang out with us is go over to thejoyjunkie.com slash club. That redirects you right over to our little group. And be sure to to say hello. Hello. Anyone out there? Hello. Hello. And it's, it's a great time. So let's talk a little bit about... Four ways we make up bullshit lies and stories in our head Mm. and what to do about it. Okay, let's do it. Before I jump into the four specific ways that this shows up for us, I want to just say really quickly, first of all, we're really, really creative as humans. So one of the things that I like to tell myself when I notice that I'm going into a story is like, damn, Smitty, you are so creative. That's great. If we did not have imagination, if we did not have creativity, it's likely that we would not be fabricating these stories. So just know some of the reasons why you dress top notch and you can decorate the fuck out of your living room is the same (laughs) reason why you make up a lot of bullshit stories in your head. Because you are creative. We all are. And to various degrees, of course. But the other thing I really wanted to underline here is that the human brain and the way that it functions naturally wants to conclude a scenario. We do not like open ends. It's it's the reason why many of us struggle with closure or not knowing what somebody thought about you or why you actually got let go or we want to tidy it all up. We want a full conclusion. It's a lot of the reason why we don't just let religion go. We're like, no, no, no. We need to know why that happened and what, when and who and do all <laughs> of the, do all of the ends match, right? Yeah. And if they don't, we start to have this really uneasy feeling. So the 
please know that when we are making up these stories in our head, it's part of how our brain is wired. So just know that you're trying to kind of take care of yourself and that's okay. And there are ways to counteract it. There are ways to catch yourself and reframe it. So the first way that we make up bullshit stories is through worrying. Mm-hmm. Oh, worry, worry, worry. That was probably the worst part of my anxiety was chronic worry. And I still will see this sometimes with clients and students. And if I hear about worry that is not just situational where – Let's say you're going for a job interview and you're waiting to hear back, or you have a loan that you're not sure is going to come through or not, like us. If you have a situational (laughs) worry, that's one thing. But if you are obsessively worrying about things chronically all the time, then you might want to check into anxiety disorders or talk to somebody who's an expert around that. The reason I say that is I can speak very anecdotally that my worry was not situational. It was constant, and it was also constant from a very, very early age. I could trace it back to very intense worries that I had as a child. So I'm going to link to a podcast I did specifically about my journey with anxiety disorder, where I think it might give you a little more illumination of like, oh shit, this is not normal to feel this way. It's not normal to think that. Oh, there's help for that. Oh, okay. I thought I was just a worry ward Mm -hmm. or a overachiever or a perfectionist. No, sometimes it's just the chemicals in our brain need a little pick-me-up, need a little boost. And I kind of feel like almost all of us have anxiety at this point, at this stage in our our population, or a vast majority anyway. Or maybe we're just talking about it more frequently. Who knows? Yes, maybe. But if it's not something that's situational, because Worrying in situations like that where you're waiting for a job interview or something like that, it's normal, all right? Worry is an iteration of our fear response. It is a part of us going, what is it? What's going to happen? It's it's anxious energy. Mm -hmm. And it is when we can't, we don't have the ability to fight or flee, the fighting turns into anxiety. Mm-hmm. So if we really want to fight and we can't, turns into anxiety. And if we really want to flee and we can't, it typically turns into depression, which is so unbelievably fascinating, which yeah, is why some people who experience a lot of depression want to go to sleep. They want mm-hmm. to escape. They want to run away. Mm-hmm. Which is That's ten- their way of running away. Exactly. Interesting. I'm going to guess that a large majority of you have uh, aren't necessarily dealing with full-blown anxiety attacks. And if you are, please know that there are ways to get help. Listen to the other podcasts. They'll be in the show notes. And there is a great quote that I you probably have seen floating around, and it says, worrying is like praying for shit you don't want to have happen. <laughs> yes. And there's a very specific reason for that, right? When we think about prayer, when we think about intention, all we're doing is focusing our energy on one particular thing. We're focusing on what we do want. Worry is a constant focus on what we don't want. So one of my favorite tools to work with an anxious or worrying mind is very simply to shift that focus into what you do want. There's a tool that I have put together called good what if, bad what if. 
most of the time when we're in the throes of, of worry, we are in the bad what if. What if I don't get this job? What if I become destitute? What if we don't get this home loan? What if we have to move out of our apartment and we have no place to go? What if, what if, what if, what if, what if? And what's happening is there is almost this like tape recorder or movie that is playing in your head. So we need to almost remove that tape, remove that narrative, and replace it with something else to occupy your mind. So noticing that moment when you're going into what if bad and switching it to what if good. What if I do get hired? What if they give me more Mm. than I thought I was going to get? What if this person asks me out again? What if this is my total soulmate? What if we live happily ever after? What if I get this home loan? What if we have the most amazing uh, neighbors. What it, you know, and you, what we don't realize is happening in those moments of fantasy is we are now occupying our mind with something else yeah. other than worry. At the very simplest level, it's distraction. That's incredible. That's it. Mm-hmm. So you know how if you are trying to stop smoking, they'll say, okay, we need to replace it with something. So start knitting with your hands or start chewing gum or using a fidget spinner. We Mm -hmm. need to replace the habit. Same is true for worry. So instead of allowing those thoughts to occupy your mind, you have to notice them first and then substitute a different thought pattern. And for me, one of the easiest ways to do that, again, because we're such creative spirits, is through something creative. What if I can create a fantasy or a really cool story or something else to occupy my mind? Hmm. It's just a distraction, my friends. That, I mean, shocker, that's it. That's all you have to do, all right? Hmm, okay. So that's number one. Number one way is we allow our minds to be consumed by worry. So the antidote there is to start working with the good what if, bad what if tool, okay? And again, you have to remember that If your worry is constant, you need to use the tool constantly. You have to use the substitution constantly. And if you are in a situation where you feel like it's almost physically or psychologically impossible for you to use the tool, then you might be dealing with a full-blown anxiety disorder where the chemicals in your mind are not allowing you to use a, a personal development tool. If that's the case, again, There is help available. Search that out. You deserve to find your healing. Number two, the way we tell bullshit stories is by uh, how we identify. And usually it sounds something like, I'm so this or I'm a this. It's labels that we affix to ourselves that are qualities or behaviors or characteristics that we don't actually want to be. Hmm. Okay. So an example would be somebody who says, I always mess up relationships or I have never been able to manage money. I can't manage money. That was my story for a long time. Or people will label themselves something like, I'm just such a control freak. And it can actually sometimes be something positive or we what we think is positive, like I'm just such an overachiever. Or I'm such a perfectionist. Okay. And where we kind of think it's a positive thing Mm -hmm. and we think it's sort of this badge of honor, but it's actually impeding our growth. It's causing us negative emotions because when you are a chronic perfectionist 
and you've been parading around like it's something super positive. <laughs> a lot of people do wear that as a badge of honor. They do. Yeah. But then how much joy does it actually steal from you? Or like a workaholic is another one. That's a great one. Yeah. Where we think it's such a, oh, how noble mm-hmm. is that? Oh, or I'm so busy all the time. That's another mm-hmm. identifier mm-hmm. where we think it's so awesome, but yet your relationships are faltering. Right. Or you're such a perfectionist that you can't go to sleep because you're obsessed about that report that you just turned in (laughs) and you want to go back and you want to fix it and you want to tweak it. That is stealing your joy. So it doesn't matter what the moniker is necessarily. It's about am I identifying as something that is actually stealing my joy and stealing my happiness? So take a inventory of what are the things that you claim? Sometimes we claim things that we were branded as when we were young, like, oh, you became the strong one in the family or you became the class clown. And because, you know, being the strong one, that sounds awesome, right? But it might steal your joy in the sense that you feel like you can never be vulnerable. You can never let your guard down. You can never ask for help. Mm -hmm. In those situations, really attaching to that piece of the identity can really be impeding you from actually attaining joy. So start thinking about what are the things that you chronically identify as? And a lot of times we say them in jest, like, oh, that's just my control issues, or oh, that's just my perfectionism coming out, or oh, that's... And can we stop claiming disorders that we don't have? Stop saying that's my OCD. If you don't have (laughs) OCD, that is shitty. That is shitty. Okay? Stop claiming disorders that you don't have. It's... it belittles people who actually have those diagnoses and are working through them. It's not a funny thing to say. Right. Just say, I'm organized. Right. So I like things ducks in a row. It's now, like if, saying something is retarded. Like, yeah, it's that, just as bad, right? Don't, yeah, we don't do that. Hello, get the memo. Okay. And check in with yourself. What are those things that you say? Sometimes it's about relationships or it's about categories of, I can't keep a job. Or I always mess up relationships, like I mentioned before, if you constantly claim those identifiers, you will always live into them. Because one of the ways that we cement messaging into our subconscious mind is through repetition. Mm -hmm. When we do things in repetition, they become habit. Habit is locked in the subconscious, which means it's extremely hard to change it without adopting a new habit. Mm -hmm. It becomes your autopilot. So if you keep saying over and over again, I always fuck up relationships, it is going to be your autopilot to do that without even realizing it. Mm -hmm. So let's stop identifying a shit you do not want to be. Do you want to always fuck up relationships? Do you want to always be a control freak to your own detriment? Is How's that perfectionism working out for you? Because everybody I talk to, they are not like, I'm super happy. They're not. (laughs) They're like, it's totally stealing my joy. Yeah. And in fact, we dig into this in depth in a couple of different weeks during Deep Down and Dirty for this very specific reason, because we have these monikers that we have identified ourselves throughout time. Somebody's the class clown, or I was the smart one in the family, and now, God forbid, I don't get into you know my doctoral program, because my entire identity is wrapped up in that. So we have to realize that we are more than our labels, whether or not we have always found solace in them or not. And we unpack this a lot in Deep Down and Dirty. So if you aren't familiar, this is my incredibly robust, thorough 
radically transformational program. It spans over about four months' time because, again, I think it's important that we cement a new habit in all things with how we speak up for ourselves, our relationship to ourselves, believing in who we are, our self-worth, boundaries, saying no. All of that stuff takes repetition and it takes time, which is exactly what Deep Down and Dirty is meant to do to get you from that place of feeling like this chronic perfectionist people pleaser into a place where you actually feel bold and boundaried and like a badass who really loves herself. So if you are interested in that and you're kind of going, I need help untangling these habits. I know what I'm supposed to do, but for whatever reason, I'm not doing it. That's called cognitive dissonance. It's when we have a messed up uh, incongruency between our conscious and our subconscious mind. So if you're interested in that and you're like, I need to get to a place where I believe in myself because I'm not going after the jobs I want. I'm sabotaging my relationships. I don't have the career that I'm desiring. Go to thejoyjunkie.com slash workshop. Have a watch through that workshop because it chronicles exactly why you might not be getting the results that you want to get. And then you'll see an opportunity at the end of it to book a call with my team if you want to dig in and, and look at your specific issues that you're up against. And we'll, we'll let you know either this is for you or it's not the right path for you. And whatever the case is, we will direct you to whatever the solution is. If it's with me, amazing. If not, we'll definitely give you some, some places to look. So thejoyjunkie.com slash workshop, completely free, and it will help you understand a little bit more about why you might not be making as much headway as you'd like to. All right, so four ways that we make up bullshit stories. The first one was by worrying. The second one is through how we identify ourselves. The third one, this is one of the biggest. What others think and feel. Making up that story about what oh, other sure. people think and feel when yeah. we have no idea. That's hard That's hard not to do. It really is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is interesting. One of the reasons why it's so hard is because we expect other people to emote in the same way that we emote. Mm-hmm. So for example, if I, if excited to me looks of like arms filling and my face is, you know, all Jim carried out and like, oh my gosh, <laughs> that's what exciting looks like to me. Yeah. Now somebody else might be so thrilled inside and they don't move their body. They don't move their face much. And they just say, oh, cool. <laughs> now, if somebody does that and that doesn't look like excited to me, I can interpret that a shit ton of different ways. Absolutely. And vice versa happens. So if you're really reserved and you process a lot of things internally and somebody is really demonstrative or gregarious with their with their body language, we go, oh my gosh, what is wrong with them? Why are they always trying to get so much attention? Why do they emote that way? Why do you let that all out? It seems odd. It's almost like you're speaking two different languages. So because there are a ton of people who don't just say what they mean, we leave a lot up to interpretation. Hmm. And again, because we are wired to create the story and complete the story, we start making up all of these ideas about what people think and feel. So I want to share an example with you that happened for me and Mr. Smith quite a few years ago. Oh, okay. On the spot. This is the Dates with Dylan story. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I'm sure you have heard it if you're an avid listener to the pod. So prior to our move here to North Carolina, we were doing some renovations in our place in California. And one of them was 
dealing with some stuff on our outside porch patio. So Mr. Smith had pulled a bunch of stuff in off the patio into the living room where I used to do my workouts. Now I was following a yogi named Dylan at the time, and I would call my workouts my dates with Dylan. So Mr. Smith says to me, these are the only words he says. Do you remember what you said? No. Okay. <laughs> I was like, do, you, are you, do you still have your dates with Dylan? Yeah, pretty much that. Yeah? Okay. Are you still doing your dates with Dylan? That's it. Those are the only words that he said. Now, what did I do in my head? I made up a whole story. He thinks he's working out a ton. Why am I not working out? Why am I letting my body go to shit? Oh, he's not attracted to me anymore. He thinks that I need to get in better shape. All of this stuff starts running through my head about not being desirable, not liking my own body, not feeling comfortable in my own skin. All these things, my shit, because I wasn't working out as much as I wanted to, projecting it on him and interpreting words that were completely innocuous mm-hmm. and making them something completely fab- fabricated. <laughs> yeah. So at the time, because I was teaching personal development, I have a little bit of a handle on this shit. I said, okay, babe, can I just tell you where I just went in my head real quick? And you were like, yeah, for sure. And I said, okay, here's where I went. And I told him the whole story. Give me the rundown, yeah. And he goes, no, I – I was just wondering if you were still doing that because I pulled all the shit in off the porch and I just wanted to make sure you had enough room in the living room to do your workouts and I wasn't in, you know, getting in your way. Oh, Mr. Smith. Mr. How thoughtful. So something totally chivalrous, <laughs> super kind, not anything related to the story I was making up. And it was squashed in that moment. Yeah. Here's what happens if you don't get to the root of the story. If you don't actually ask, like, hey, what was that look about? Or I just – I I kind of heard a little snarkiness in your tone. Am I making that up? If you don't address something in the moment – You will make up a- stories. After we create the story, then we gather evidence to support the story. Uh-huh, uh-huh, so uh-huh. it could have looked like this. It could have looked like you and I hanging out, watching a TV show, and you say something like, wow, that gal's really attractive, as we normally do. I might read into that and go, oh my God, he's well, so... evidence. There's another piece of evidence. Mm-hmm. If we're out, Mr. Smith tends to check out women. <laughs> I tend to check out women and men. And as we do, it's not a problem. But if I was already attached to this story, I would be going, what's that about? Even if I wasn't audible about it, I might be internalizing it and gathering more evidence to support this story that he doesn't find me attractive. He thinks I need to get back into my workouts. But because I squashed it right away, it was done. No evidence to gather. Now, sometimes somebody goes, yeah, I actually, it it bothers me. I feel like I've been really working on staying really fit and active and healthy for you and for our relationship. And I would like to see you do that more. Or maybe they don't say it that eloquently. And then you have another thing that you need to deal with. But let me tell you what, it's so much better to just deal with that shit than making up the bullshit stories or projecting what you're thinking onto somebody else. Yeah. We do this all the time in relationships. We make up a story, we gather evidence. For example, if you have made up in your mind that your partner never contributes to household stuff, you are going to find evidence to support that story around every corner. Oh, well, see, they left their socks out again. Oh, can't do fucking laundry. Oh, well, there's crumbs all over the counter. Never can wipe the counter down. And what you don't see 
are all the other ways that your partner is amazing for you. The way that they are flawless with your children, the way that they are contributing financially, the way they always tell you how gorgeous you are or whatever. When you are so acutely focused on gathering evidence for the negative story, you miss the positive things. We do this with our families, with our parents. We focus on the story of them being shitty or controlling or overbearing, and we miss any other opportunity for some beauty from beauty in that relationship. Yeah. All right? So I'm going to give you a really easy way to start working with this. And it is a new acronym that I have formed called Find My Truth. So it's kind of like that when you were learning music, if you ever learn music like that, every good boy does fine, like E, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. So find my truth. We're going to have FMT. It's a three-parter, three-part questions. FMT, find my truth. What are the facts? That is the F. What am I making up? M is making up. And then the T is for truth. What is the truth? So in the situation with the dates with Dylan, what are the facts? The facts are Mr. Smith said, are you still doing your dates with Dylan? What am I making up? I told you. I made up that whole hyperbolic story of he doesn't find me attractive anymore and he thinks I need to start working out. What is the truth? Well, in order to get to the truth, I need to use my words and I need to talk this (laughs) out and I need to excavate for the truth and find what's Mr. Smith's truth and then what's Amy's truth. Because far too often we take on mom's truth and we make it ours. We take Mm -hmm. on our ex's truth, we make it ours. We need to decipher what is true for that person and then also for me. That's incredibly important. I think that's a big part of maturity. Yeah. Is is figuring out what your truths are, where you stand, how you feel. A lot of people use the word feeling comfortable in your skin. Yeah. Right? And I think that's one of the components of feeling comfortable in your skin is knowing what your truths are. Yeah, well yeah. said, babe. Well said. And I think it's it's that knowingness of regardless what any like for instance if Mr. Smith really was like, yeah, honestly, it's it, I'm concerned about your weight or something like that. I I'd, I'd kind of be like, really? Cuz I'm pretty small. <laughs> but, you know, some sometimes we have someone's opinion is very different than where we're at. And they validate a story that's going on in our head. But we have to decipher, do I want to live into that? And this is, again, something that we dig into at length mm-hmm. in Deep Down and Dirty. Okay, I get what mom's viewpoint was. I get what that dick teacher I had. I get what her you know, perspective of me was, truth was. Do I want to still live into that? Or do I want to change that narrative? And we obviously have tons of tools to do that. So again, if you're interested in shifting any of that stuff, be sure to check the workshop out. The link will be in the show notes, or you can easily just go to thejoyjunkie.com slash workshop. All right. So we've got worrying, identity, and then making up what other people think and feel, which is now we're going to use that three-part question, find my truth. F is for what are the facts? M is for what am I making up? T is for what is the truth? Their truth and my truth. All right. Number four way that we make up some bullshit stories is with absolutes. This is a term I like to use to refer to words like have to, should, always, never, only, no other way. Mm. It is an absolute. There's no wiggle room. When we do that, and a lot of times we do that in tandem with our identity, right? I always mess up relationships. No one ever comes to my rescue. Okay, chronic victim. You're a chronic victim for the rest of your life, 
right? Until you switch that identity. So absolutes can definitely be tied to how we identify ourselves. So start thinking about where do I say, oh, I always do this, or I never do that, or I can't, or that's Mm -hmm. not possible, or no one. Really, no one? Really, always? Every single time? Really, never? (laughs) Never? No one has ever helped you out? You always mess up every single relationship, your siblings, your family. You always do every single one. Most of the time, we're locked into a story, not the truth. Yeah, those are very strong words. Yeah. Right? Yes. That you tell yourself. I'm glad you brought that up because even in like the hypnosis practice that I'm learning now, the strength of words really matters because it will supersede what somebody's presenting issue is. Mm -hmm. So. If you are saying things to yourself that are really strong like that, like, I have to get this done today, or I should always, you know, volunteer for my kid's class or whatever, if you are using that type of language and then at the same time you're trying to use something softer, like, it's okay to allow yourself some freedom, (laughs) guess which one's going to win? The stronger one. strong, hard words, yeah. That's right. Words carry meaning. In fact, we do a whole process of that in Deep Down and Dirty Absolutely. as well. Yeah, that's a big Because it matters. Semantics matter. So the, the antidote here, again, with the absolutes is to go back to the tool I just mentioned, the find my truth. Okay, what are the facts? The facts are I had a really shitty relationship. What am I making up? I'm making up that I'm unlovable and that I always mess up relationships. What is the truth? The truth is I had a shitty relationship that scarred me, that hurt me. That does not mean I have to always be that way going forward. That means I had a unique situation. But most of the time, we take one instance that carried a lot of emotional pain, and we make that mean our absolute truth. We experience something that severely makes us feel painful around our self-worth, like somebody telling us they don't love us, or getting denied from a job opportunity or a home loan a home loan <laughs> or a doctoral <laughs> degree or something like that because it carries emotional weight and it's sad and it hurts we compound that with our worth mm-hmm. and we go that must mean an absolute stamp on me that means not worthy i always fuck things up okay so watch those absolutes anytime you hear those think of them as your entry point into, okay, whoa, 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 there's an absolute. Because let me tell you, it is very rarely that you have to. It's usually you choose to. It's a very rarely always. It's usually sometimes. <laughs> it's a very rarely can't. It's usually won't. So mm. just pay attention to what you're saying because you're making up a bullshit story. And the antidote, like I said again, use that find my truth acronym. What are the facts? What am I making up? What is the truth? And if you're kind of frantically trying to find a notepad and writing this stuff down, I really think it would be advantageous for you to have a listen through this again. But please know, (laughs) and my students tell me this over and over again, that the podcast is great. There's been a lot of things that have been eye-opening, but it's not transformative because we don't get to a lot of the subconscious level that we do in Deep Down and Dirty. That's right. Deep Down and Dirty is designed to completely change every piece of your life. And that's what people say over and over again is, I I can't even explain it 
but I'm happier. I feel like I'm enough and everything else is starting to change. And it really did completely change my life. And that sounds so cliche and I hate even saying that, but that is what- Some of the best things in life are unexplainable. Yeah. You know, like I I don't know how this happened, but I feel great. Right? Like those are amazing. What I do see is the, the people who were terrified of switching jobs have now started to go back to school. I can't mm. tell you how many people have also started their own business after they've gone through deep and down and dirty. That's awesome. I've seen people end toxic relationships. I've seen people end marriages. I've seen people manifest their soulmate. I have seen people quit smoking, lose hmm. weight, all, whatever it is that they want because now they aren't in their own fucking way anymore. Mm-hmm. But we think, it's, we think it's the weight. We think it's, I just need a partner. I just need a new job. We think it's that. It's not, you guys. Spoiler alert. It is not. It's an inside job. So again, (laughs) if that's you and you cannot imagine keeping down this trajectory (laughs) and waking up in another year feeling the same way about yourself, feeling stuck and not confident and not believing in yourself, please at least go check out the workshop. Thejoyjunkie.com slash workshop. And it's fucking free. The worst thing that happens is you learn something, which is pretty not worse <laughs> <laughs> pretty not worse <laughs> and i went through honors english <laughs> words that will never be put together again on this podcast that's right yeah. as will no sports metaphors <laughs> <laughs> oh you, you hit out of the park with that one yeah uh, oh god damn it he did it again <sighs> i catch what you're throwing god gotcha. damn it it's catching gotcha uh, all right well, anything else you wanted to throw in the mix before we call this call this a night? No, I think you covered it. Good, right. good stuff. I, I think at the end of the day, what 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 we're getting at here is there. It's a it's a very deep sea. Yeah, and you just have to start taking the dives. One of the dives that people make is listening to podcasts or reading self help books and things like that, and it gets you to a level where you're ready for something else, something bigger, something life changing, something dramatic, That's right. something deeper. Right? You dig, take a deeper dive, and the way to do that is to take programs like yours. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's the only way you can really do it is to have somebody that has been through it, knows their shit. And helps you find your way through it. And didn't just take a weekend course. And now they're like, I'm a life coach. Yeah. Can I go like yeah. really good advice? <laughs> well, no. there's always that. Yeah. I have a little bit of tenure in this business, everybody. Yeah, she's been around a bit. <laughs> a little long in the tooth. <laughs> this is not my first rodeo. A little long in the tooth. Easy, easy. All right. Well, we will see you around these parts next week. Here is to loving and living your most badass life. Mr. and Ms. Smith, out. Out.